All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be brave. I'm gonna mix the meat with the potatoes. Howdy doody, my name is Andrew Dugan. Welcome to the Yoga Better Podcast, the structure of a Prairie Home Companion and the sound design of a wannabe radio lab. Today's episode is a little different. My oldest son is in college and on the way to drop him off, we decided we spent a couple days to visit my family in Plainview, Texas. My sister and her family and my parents now live there together in a big giant house over 100 years old with a big old wraparound porch, giant sliding doors, creaky wood floors, and an atmosphere of love, fun, and family. We had already started recording for the podcast, and so I walked around with a mic. I got lots of very sweet little silly interactions. Recorded my youngest son Caravaggio and I playing piano together, a trio moment with my sister, her 17-year-old son, and myself, a solo of my nephew Roland playing an original piece, and then lots and lots of chopsticks. We baked cookies on a Saturday, and so there was a lot of hullabaloo between burnt cookies trying to eat raw cookie dough off a spoon, and the general uh, communal manufacture of, I think, five or six different kinds of cookies, all orchestrated by my sister in her big giant kitchen there. The whole time my father, taking care of silly crazy dogs, walking around, doing errands and chores like a crazy person the way he normally does. My brother-in-law, Troy, working every day as a lawyer there, and my mother oscillating between planning fun trips watching Korean TV dramas on Netflix, and being silly and having fun with her kids and grandkids. My family loves laughing. I grew up in a gregarious house, very loving, very sweet, but also snarky and smart. My mother's a lover of books, and if you see my house, you can see that's where I got that from. My father, a great appreciator of humor, had the benefit of being very hard of hearing. And with a bunch of snarky teenagers in the house, we're able to capitalize on many of his on many of his clarifying questions on misheard statements. Now, to such a deep extent, these things are burnt into our memories. They are classics in the Dugas family. And my memories of us as a family laughing, it's this vivid image of my father in tears laughing. It changes you. It it's it's the kind of way I hope to be and create with my family. In playing this episode for my wife, I got to watch her be in tears laughing and how silly her sections are and all the jokes and all the kids. And my idea was that I would do a podcast where instead of the normal structure, we have a conversation. Uh, today it's between Andrea and I on what it's like to build a business with your spouse. Running a business together, it's one of the things we're most proud of. When you take the teacher training, one of the things I promise is that you take the course because of me and you stay because of Andrea. And one of the ad benefits is we get to demonstrate a loving relationship. And I think that that's, you know, many of you don't need that, but some of you do. And if you haven't been able to sort of see a functional loving relationship who knows whether we'll be together next year but right now it is a possibility and how do you do that while adding all of the stress of running a business together particularly in the time of covid that'll be the first in a three-part series where we open up the can of worms that is what happens when you take two personalities with two different histories squish them together living together with kids and financial responsibilities put them in the same house together and then have to do all the necessary creative troubleshooting overcoming work that you need to do when you're a partner with somebody we love that work and then interspersed throughout the course of this podcast are recordings from our little three-day stay with our loving Plainview family. You'll hear my mother play her auto harp, my sister's morphing British accent, my wife doing handstands in the grass and beautiful weather in their front yard, my father doing his regular work of cautioning against stepping in dog poop, the silly fun creativity of all of our kids all wrapped up in a neat package. Instead of there being an Andrew's obsession to this podcast, I figured my obsession is laughter with my family. I'm so happy to share it with you. And it begins now. 
several gallons of strawberries, and then you come back in like in an hour, and Garbaggio has taken the seeds out of all of them. And so you have to go and put all of them back on each berry individually, and it causes you so much stress that you start to go bald. It's the reseeding hairline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sandwiches and fruit salads and she just likes pecans and everything. I do. Oh, it's like bacon. Pecans oh. is like bacon. Oh, <laughs> Goes with everything. I'm not a meat guy, but this is good. A N D R I N D at it so it's nice to fail safely and what else do I like about it I like pretending like my feet my hands are feet and I like imagining when I'm standing on one foot or two feet pounds is so easy just because I keep my butt over my feet and so playing around with that feel in my hands sounds I like doing that also handstands are better than forearm stands because your hands are tougher than your forearms and so if I could get a handstand, that'd be super nice. I know, right? Oh my gosh, I was fighting so much. TikTok. Trip doc. This is so amazing. It feels so wonderful out here. I don't feel like this is possible. And then we're here and it is. You have an ant on your toe. It doesn't look like a biting ant though. It's right in between your toes over here. Okay, so I'm gonna do a this kind of handstand, so I don't I don't think I'll hit you, but Justin straddle, straddle, thank you. <laughs> with a donkey kick? Donkey kick with a donkey donkey donkey. Whoa! Oh, this is gonna kick. I'm gonna try to kick over this. Nice. I cannot believe I can do that. That's so good. I used to always say that I wanted to do that, but I didn't think I'd ever actually be able to do it. Just so crazy in my 40s, I am now able to do a kickover. My face is, the grass is poking my eyes. Just, I feel so free and my body is so crazy. All right. Let's get to move my body, that's for darn sure.
Vader. So. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so let me check. check oh, check that's very good. No way. I'm thinking. So there's so many crazy parallels about our parents. So my parents, your parents, they never work together. They never work Have out. a business, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, no. Where rent doesn't get paid. If our marriage, like if our marriage doesn't work, everything, we lose everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't like keep my job. <laughs> and most people caution against working as a couple. Most marriages don't work out. So it makes sense that most. Understandably. 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 <laughs> no, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I wasn't saying. Most marriages don't work I'm out. Sorry. My wife I, says, oh, a, I get that. It, it was, I do. I do. But what that comment was meant for is that comment was meant for the previous statement. Most people caution against working together, which is understandable. Which, the timing is very important. Timing was like, like very delayed joke telling or I think it's Borat uh-huh. when he's trying to learn how to tell jokes. Not. Not jokes. <laughs> not jokes. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, not. That's right. <laughs> you are a very good looking not. <laughs> <laughs> Most marriages don't actually make it, so it, it makes Would sense. You, is that true? Most Yes, more than don't? 50% of marriages end wow. in divorce or murder, I think, is one of those two. <laughs> and so if you're going to start a business with your partner, like like Bill Burr's bit about marriage where you, you bet another person half your shit, right? That's kind of what marriage is, where you say... Well, statistically speaking, we are all going to die, but let's jump off this cliff anyway. And there's an intuitive way it makes sense why the generations younger than us, younger than us, don't get married or wait to get married. We were raised by Disney for sure and happily ever after and all that stuff. And I'm absolutely upfront and romantic. And you sort of, you know, threw yourself hate and whatever thought you couldn't get married, but you still wanted it. Well, it's interesting. For the longest time, I there's this thing that you just said. And I remember hearing people be really upset about Disney. And I'm always thinking, like, what's the big deal? What's the problem with Disney? Honestly, it wasn't until very recent that I realized the problem. What is the problem? There is no working on anything in a Disney movie. Move me. <laughs> that's not true. But you don't see the fight. You don't see the interpersonal problems. The, it's, the struggle is the evil witch or whatever. Right. Yeah, you don't see the interpersonal. Right. You don't see the squabble. You don't see the dark nights. Who is it? We'll, we'll look up who said it, but uh, the quote where I've never felt so alone is when I was married. Mm, like, I don't, I've not heard that before. The thwarted expectation. The, the problem with Disney is that it sets up this expectation that once you overcome the evil queen, then you're done. Mm-hmm. Well, no. The evil queen is the metaphor for all the fucking shit you have to deal with with yourself <laughs> and the stupid partner you married that X, Y, Z, right? Uh-huh. And that isn't you. <laughs> that isn't you and doesn't obey you and doesn't just... And you're stupid, Right. You're you know, you're stupid. You think you're stupid. So you hate yourself. And then the other person does something dumber than you would have done. It's like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with yourself and another stupid person. Like I get why people don't have kids either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy to do all that stuff. So and I love love, loving love and loving how much I love love. I go three levels on that one. Love, love, love. I love loving, loving. It's super satisfying. You know, why do? Why did we start a business together? Like you could have gone back into some kind of workforce. I could have, but I mean, the problem with going back to something different. I mean, I was essentially in the same world. Yeah. You know, fitness. I mean, it isn't the same, so, but so it, I, I'm a, I was a classical musician which meant I felt like doing whatever the fuck I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I said, hey, society. And society says, hey, you, you know, be responsible and have a savings account. I'm like, I want to wiggle my fingers and literally play 
for a living. <laughs> I'm moving my head with your head. Right, so what do you do? What do you do when you execute your instrument professionally? You play music. I was I played for a living, right? I'm, you I said execute. I, I was like, well, kill <laughs> your instrument. I don't understand. When you actually do the thing you're paid for, it you mm-hmm. play music. That that's a pretty antisocial you know, fuck societal norms kind of thing. And so I knew that my commitment to my family, I would be willing to do anything. I'd be willing to go into banking or I'd be willing to become a dentist for sure. That's not that bad a career. Okay, maybe, you you know, you get some baker cysts and some back pain from leaning over and looking people's faces all day, but it's an honorable profession, makes plenty of money if you know how to take care of your business. It can work and it's reliable and I can make a difference in the community and make a difference in people's health and, you know, how many girlfriends they can have with their ridiculously white chompers because I sort of have this antisocial, anti-societal norm bent. I'm comfortable not doing what everybody told me to do. Being an entrepreneur was easy, easier for me. As you know, one of the biggest problems of running your own business is we can give ourselves like a regular paycheck, but the income for the business is not consistent month Mm -hmm. to month. Mm And that is a really tough one. Yeah. Emotionally, it's super tough. There's nothing to like stand on, no ground to stand on. There is a ground to stand on. It's just not consistent. You, you can pretend um. that your job at Exxon is super sure. The problem with your job at Exxon is they can fire you or go to business. My dad got laid off twice from oil companies. You can get laid off tomorrow. They don't have to fucking give you an excuse. Yeah. They don't have to give you a pension. They don't have to give you anything. Uh, no severance, two weeks notice, you're out. Or you wa- or what happens to so many businesses, you walk up to work and the doors are chained shut. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what happened to Goldman Sachs. Right? It's just, we're gone now. Back it up, back it up. I'm on a back it up. My daddy taught me good. I am more comfortable than you being poor, one. So that the risk for me is less emotionally, psychologically. I don't want to be poor. <laughs> I'm, I'm very motivated to not be poor. But, you know, the most powerful bargaining position you can be in in any negotiation is your willingness to walk away from the table. Okay, I have spent five years working on this uh, project. I'm trying to get this contract with this this new business. I'm trying to buy a company. If I am impervious to the sunk cost fallacy, you remember sunk cost? I, it's a cognitive bias where your ability to judge whether you should continue doing a thing is impacted by mm-hmm. how much time or money You've invested already, yeah. and it's mostly time. People, all, when it, people describe sunk costs, they, they talk about money. If you look at it, it's, it's hard to get perspective, and it's hard to think critically generally. But if I look on paper and I say, well, I've spent $5 million on this project already. Okay, great. That doesn't mean anything if it's going to cost you $50 million to finish it. And when you finish it, it will be a failed business. Mm-hmm. Right? You will only spend money, and there will be no returns. Right. You will save $50 million and all those years of your life if you stop now. And that's hard to see. And this Mm -hmm. is is why people stay in bad relationships. I know, she says. (laughs) Oh, I can understand with that completely. Uh, This is why people stay in failed businesses, bad jobs. They've invested all this time. I only have four more years to my pension. And people can be happy like that. I'm not criticizing that they're doing something wrong. But I, I am less sensitive. I'm less coerced by sunk costs. I can quit anything at any point. I'm willing to start over. Yes, you are. And because I have a lot. Mm -hmm. I've reinvented myself. I'm, you know, divorce trains you good. Mm -hmm. It's like, I did not want my life to go that way. It's like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do now? Right. And I I can just sit and complain about it or I can, all right, literally start my life again where everything that I invested in, all of everything, my identity, what literally, like I was a family man. I went to work and I came home to be with the one person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And it's like, now I'm fucking by myself and it's not fun. Wow, that's cool. I mean, literally. What I'm trying to say is I recommend divorce. If you've never tried it, just get into it. It's really tra- really good training. 
It's like a handstand for your I mean, soul. And, you know, also not that. It was also okay, too. <laughs> you, for, for those of you, when we do our relationship podcasts, you'll you know, one of the things that you must know about me is I love working on relationships. I think that's one of the things we can talk about, we must talk about today is if we're going to start a business together, you have to work on your relationship. But I also love divorce. And so I think maybe, would you say that when you and I fight, like I, I can go dark and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not rational all the time, but there's not like a, there's not a clinginess to my despair like if I think you're you hate me and you're going to leave me or something, it's not like the real end of my life because I've been through this before. It's you're literally everything to me, and I all of my eggs are in one basket. I don't have a pinky toe outside right. this door. But the truth is, you could die or you could leave me. Anything can happen. And if I step back in a, with a big enough perspective, am I willing to do the work to be happy again? A fucking course. I still yeah. have children. I still have whatever precious few minutes I have left in my life. Almost every living thing that has ever lived was murdered early by some other big, bigger thing, was eaten alive. And if they could, every living thing that would ever, has ever lived would give anything to have my worst day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to honor like what a crazy privilege it is. Not stop whining after a few months and, you know, go create my life. Maybe try to win a you back. A few months? You think so? Yeah, I'll give you a few months. <laughs> <laughs> I will cry myself to sleep. better than a few weeks. I'll cry myself to days. I'll cry myself to sleep every night for a few months, I promise. <laughs> if you leave me. If you die, it'll be a little different now. I'll, give, oh, you, I'll well. give you a year. <laughs> you might, that's still not very long. It is not. And it's for some of you, it's uncomfortable. When I first started t- talking like this, it made you uncomfortable. Death, leaving, well, quitting yoga. The quitting thing, because I know you would, not like you would quit and you wouldn't create something else but that you have the capacity to just like stop doing stuff and not it doesn't occur as willy-nilly mm-hmm. you became you started to get into yoga because you were in pain mm-hmm. but yeah I know that you are capable of that and it didn't really bother me but because you're not saying I'm quitting tomorrow but I know that you can mentally to me it looked like you were uncomfortable just how freely I was I, I to me it looked like you used to be uncomfortable when I'd say you could leave me tomorrow a little bit but now you've heard me say that in every teacher training <laughs> right well and As I a, also I like knowing that I like knowing yeah. I can leave you I like knowing you yeah. can leave me and this is the thing I've always said with kids more or less I mean there are caveats to the statement but when you have children it doesn't matter you like them or not you don't get to like get rid of your kids they're your kids like you have Mm. to deal with what you got and her eyebrows are really high right now (laughs) with the goal that they make it until they're 18 and you did your job and they are able to have some kind of functional life and contribute to society give them the boot get out of here kids it's not like luck i like my children i have done the work to like my children Mm -hmm. but they're not movable pieces when it comes to marriage i like knowing that it's something that we're opting in you're here by choice i can leave you i'm not stuck with you i'm not like a well i have to go home to andrew and the interesting thing has been i remember when we were in oregon Again. And this was before we were getting married. And I remember having this feeling because I was just the whole time trying to sort myself out. The relationships I've been in in the past have never been good for me or healthy. Right. And I can see where I went off in those relationships. And so now I'm having these emotions with you and they feel specific to you, but they're also familiar and the circumstances are different, but the feeling is the same. And I remember sitting in the rocking chair and you had done something and I remember hating you so much. <laughs> like, get like <laughs> hating you. 
like intensely, like yeah. being so mad about something you said or probably a look you gave me mm-hmm. or you didn't ask me My for something nice. Tone. Your tone. <laughs> I remember noticing that feeling coming up and I was like, all right. And then it wasn't 15 minutes later, something else happened. And I remember looking at you and just loving you so much. It was just like insanity how quickly <laughs> I had gone like polar opposites. Yeah. And that, I mean, I would say that that was not the first time I had a realization. Like I sort of made my brain stop a little bit like, wait a second. Second. What's yeah. happening? Now I still was upset. I did not be upset, yeah. but it was something that I held on to. That's skepticism. Yeah, skepticism. Skepticism and, so- and curiosity. Where most people, so if you if you read Facebook, which I don't, and I recommend that you delete Facebook right now. One of the things you could read is like if you're listening to this on YouTube and there's comments, YouTube people can be anonymous. And when you read YouTube comments, you will hear people executing the normal human being thing of effortlessly criticizing the actions of other human beings. Because when it comes to other human beings, we're not very good, like super rigorous and accurate, but we are prolifically skeptical, cynical, questioning, unsatisfiable with other human beings. And Mm -hmm. their behavior and actions and their ideas, their suggestions, what they choose. But then to me, what I was hearing, what you had, it was one of those super important self-doubting moments where you get like, in literature, they call it an an unreliable narrator. The narrator is the person telling the story. Often it's a a person outside of the story. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a person who's in the story. Sometimes it's like a godlike character talking about the things. What's that show you watched recently? Bridgerton or something? Bridgerton. Yeah. 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 So there's the person talking that's describing the stuff. Uh, And sometimes it's like the main character and you're looking at it through their eyes. And at some point, like in the beginning, you don't actually know whether what they're saying is accurate. Mm -hmm. Faulkner in particular was good at this. Like you realize kind of halfway through the story, like, oh, they're not telling me the truth. Mm. They're hiding stuff. Well, that's we do that to us all the time. For sure. And so you kind of got some clarity. Yeah, that was one of those moments where, and and it's a weird thing because how do you, how do you know what to trust? I mean, it's it's funny. I always tell people that there are voices there are sometimes you have these thoughts like I don't want to get up and go to work in the morning and you don't listen to those but mm-hmm. somehow you listen to the voices that say I'm ugly or I'm listen right. I listen to the voice that says I'm not good enough like why do you listen to those but then you get out of bed and go to work in the morning right. or whatever part of the thing that I discovered as far as that is concerned is I am an, I have I've never been in a relationship that I am proud of and so I can't actually trust the me that has opinions about anything in that world world right until now what well, now of course now but this is back then right and so just noticing that I could flip like that I had never right. just seen it so it was crazy to watch good, that happen I'm pretty good for that like you are most most of every almost every person you were ever with before is boring bland middle of the road and leaning towards asshole-ish i i cover all of it you <laughs> you've never met a bigger asshole than me and you've never met somebody sweeter than me I'm, and i can i well, probably the thing about I, no hold on a second what i want to say is that you i would i would argue that you're never an asshole just your delivery looks <laughs> like you're an asshole <laughs> so really, if you packaged it differently everyone in the world would agree that what you said sounded like but who you are as a person definitely not an asshole so working on relationships there needs to be some kind of thing to stand on Mm -hmm. if you're going to 
build something together. Now, marriage is a thing that you build. Family is a thing that you build. Your home is a thing you build. People don't realize how stressful that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you didn't know, moving is one of the most stressful things. So imagine having to move because you're getting evicted, Mm -hmm. right? Like these are scarringly intense life experiences because it's hard to move Mm -hmm. because it takes time to build a kitchen together and have a When you say building, you're not literally talking about building. You're talking about like... Designing, curating. (laughs) It's like a lot of elbow grease. It takes fucking time to like, oh, shit, we need mittens. Where does that go? We We need need oven mittens. mittens. Somebody's got to go to Williams-Sonoma and buy some goddamn mittens. Well, just use your oven mitts that you had in the... It's a gig. Well, if you're if you're 22, you don't have shit. That's yeah. Right, you got to build something. Yeah, bring it from your previous marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that there is a difference between you and I. And let's circle back to this question I asked you. I'm comfortable in the oh. uncertainty that we could not have a home next month, right? And so there, there's risk. And so that's actually one of the most stressful things about the last six years since I eight years since I started the video project, where I'm taking a huge amount of our income and putting it towards video equipment, recording equipment websites like these are huge gambles we could have bought much property Mm -hmm. with the stuff so instead of buying the property now and then waiting 10 years to start the website or the videoing documenting i was concerned that i might die next year (laughs) and so can (laughs) let's let's invest all this stuff now so at the very least we can document it and then if i do die next year there's a thing that you can propagate and sell and continue to teach and, sure. and and actually grow the style and the business and add to it. But there'll be a foundation. Right. That was super important to be 10 years ago. 11 fucking. That's insane. When we started all this stuff. It's called risk, right? Mm-hmm. You are really risking a lot. With small business, You reward is unlikely, actually, on a long enough scale. It is most likely you will fail. Well, here we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're almost 10 years into yoga better and we're still here. Right. And it seems like over the years you have gotten more comfortable with that. Sure. I mean, I think you asked me but, but why I did I decide to go into business? But we have a business together, but you had choices. Like I you did. could have done anything. I could have. You really like working in offices. That was gratifying to actually accomplish stuff. And I knew what to do, but what I didn't want to do is sit in a chair. And so that's what had me get my degree in exercise science. I wanted to make sure I was moving around. I don't want to be stuck in an office. The reason I am doing this is 100% because I believe in it. Why I'm here, why we have a business, why we have a studio. I know that I care about movement. I know that I care about other people moving, including myself moving my body. I want that always to be important to me. Fitness doesn't give me quality of life like Yoga Better does. I might do fitnessy stuff from time to time. I'm aware of the difference that this can make for people, and I want everyone to have it. I graduated college. I'm working at the Houstonian. I become a trainer, and there's this feeling of, like, I'm supposed to know what to do. But it occurs to me, like, I have all the bits of information, but none of it's applicable. And I realize very soon that we have some people who have, there are some thoughtfulness that is going into how they're training people. But for the most part, everyone's guessing. And so one of the things I really got that was so refreshing to me about you is that when I would talk to you, it wasn't like you were just saying some stuff. It was clear that you had done thinking and and looking and the stuff that I did that you told me to do actually helped. Hmm. I wish I had had this teacher training when I was a trainer. This would have been, I mean, it would have been so much more, like I would have been able to help people so much more. And so having those two little pieces together, it's like, 
I thought about it the same way as I know that you can leave me and I can leave you. Mm -hmm. It's nice to know. I'm always like, is this where I want to be? I'm just always sort of like resetting myself so that I am choosing our business. You get to re-choose all the time. But... But that's what has me. There's nothing. I have not found anything that is as valuable and as like, this is worth my life. Right. I would pay. I, I am. Just, I think you've said this recently. I will die early, certainly from the stress of this last year. From the stress, even without this last year. I mean, I don't. It's hard work. No one's telling me what to do, and I'm supposed to figure it out. I don't know what questions to ask, and Mm -hmm. I don't know where to go. And And you're the goddamn boss. (laughs) It's so frustrating, and it's just. I keep reminding. What the fuck else are you going to do? What am I going to do? I ha- if I don't do this, no one else is going to. So whether it takes me a day or fourteen years, <laughs> you get like, that damn email. Out. I'm going to get that email out. Like <laughs> come hell or high water. So that's why I said, let's have a studio because I care about. I love people. To be fair. To be fair, to be fair, doobie doobie doop boop boop. Ah! Eat your damn chicken. I'm not usually a cannibal, but this will make me change my mind. Punny, 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 fart. Pukey puke puke. Puke puke. I do. Every time I burp, I say burp while I burp. I've had a very wonderful joke week. Yeah? But I did not do a good oh, job. Oh, no. You didn't capture them? I didn't capture most of them. Mm. Nice. Like a fart in the wind. Just disappears. Pert near. Pert near. There are going to be some people like, I'm not listening to these guys anymore. They burp. They probably fart, too. And then you'd be giving someone a possible fart attack. What do you call a, a get-together of flatulent friends? What? Farty party. What do you call it when you're late to said party? What? Farty party tardiness. <laughs> what do you call it? If everybody at the farty party is at Harvard, Mm-mm. it's a smarty farty party. I like when you're confused. You like when I'm confused. I like the look on your face. Well, I am very expressive with my face. So you got some jokes this week? Some of these are jokes from our road trip, and they have to do with city names. We drove by a city, uh-huh. and we saw the name, and then by we, I mean you made a joke about it, okay, and great. I wrote a couple of them down. Well, so uh, we were on this road trip, and we drove by... What, Cheetah Falls? <laughs> what, Cheetah Falls? <laughs> she wasn't paying attention. She's broke. <laughs> what, Cheetah Falls? Yeah, Wichita Falls. What, Cheetah Falls? Wichita Falls. <laughs> okay, did you hear about the guy named Theodore who was always hurting, and the only thing that helped ease his suffering was if he dipped himself in different buckets of color? I did hear about that, but I can't quite remember. You'll remember when I tell you. Everyone called him Painted. 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 Mm-hmm. What is the best type of insect to bake with as well as you oh i know what it is you ready i'm ready adobe adobe (laughs) (laughs) what are the biggest kind of ants what are the biggest kind of ants giants okay (laughs) what color would toast most likely prefer to wear at a library party what color if toast had a choice would it wear at a library party Mm -hmm. Hmm, i don't know bread (laughs) 
<laughs> what color does my grandma love to wear as she answers the phone? Orange, you glad you called? No. Uh, Yellow. Yellow. What color do most wildlife parks pick as their brand colors? Brand colors for wildlife parks? You tell me. Azure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what do you call it if you count all the foot phalanges of all the people around you? I have a, I have a theory, but I guess I'll just have to ask you what? A toe tally. Toe tally. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then what if you do that while golfing and refusing to sip on alcohol? Oh, no. I, this I've never heard. What? Teetotalier. <laughs> Teetotalier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why don't your feet get along? Well, they do get along when I like giddy up, but in terms of like relationship, sibling relationship, rivalry? Okay, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Because they're arch enemies. That joke falls flat on some people. Mm, it does. <laughs> Women's feet are fungals. <laughs> what? I'm curious, of all the animals, which defecates on dinnerware? Uh, roaches. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not really a joke, so your turn. Yeah, that's just true. Platy poops. And then that same glass I made up. Did you hear about the big old muscled lady who dumped a boyfriend because he was as muscly as her? A muscly lady dumped a boyfriend because he was as muscly as her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's too much X her size. All right, so I had a performance and I needed ballet dancers. So I called the Houston Ballet and I asked for a dozen dancers and they sent 14. And I just, I mean, it's just two, 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 two too many. Two, 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 too many? <laughs> it's two, 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 too many. <laughs> Two tutus too many. <laughs> That's very good. I'm glad you re-said that because I did not. Two tutus too many. That's two tutus too many. <laughs> it's very fun to say. Uh, when a ballet dancer's uniform is so long it droops into a skirt, it's too too long. <laughs> uh, and then you can tutu can work for anything. It can. What do you call a disgruntled ballet dancer? Tutu sad. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it? When a ballet dancer hops on a train, <laughs> doo doo train, <laughs> and toots and goes and it falls. <laughs> it's a two two train toot. It's a two two tooter. All right, you got two more. Two more. What kind of party would your lower leg most likely throw? Mm-hmm. That has shovels and dirt. <laughs> the shindig. Shindig. Nice. Nice. Why is it so hard for yogis to vacuum in corners? Hmm. That is a problem. It's gross over there. Because they don't have attachments. Uh, what kind of after-dinner treat do people get at the ashram? Hmm. Detachments. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most popular thing for ligaments to do in traditional yoga classes? Hmm. To detach. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. That's not one. That's two. Who? He's the spin. What? What? <laughs> I know. She turned into an owl. She turned into an owl. No, don't, don't eat this. Why? Why? <gasps> Give me a good reason. Raw oh. egg, salmonella, and death. I guess we're It'd be worth it I don't want to, I want, I don't want an early death. I guess I'll just. <laughs> <laughs>
I've managed a bunch of studios. I've studied studios as a business. And what I knew that I didn't want to do is start a studio. Because if you're going to make a living as a yoga instructor, there's only two ways to do it. And neither involve you instructing yoga mostly. One is you start a studio and you become a studio owner and you manage that business. That's not teaching. That's finding a way to pay rent on a space so you can exploit other instructors. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. So you could really just make them work for free. Or you can become famous and travel and do workshops and teach. And then you're mostly a performer, which is good, like rock, like big concert venue thing. Well, that is a vanishingly small number of people. And so it could work, but it's all about the cult of personality and about marketing yourself. It's a separate business than teaching yoga to really make it. And the first one isn't teaching yoga and the second one didn't appeal to me. So, you know, when we talk about business and all the conversations that we have, I made up the business model that we use. There is no other place in the world that, st that had a teacher training three years before they had a studio. Mm -hmm. Because for us, we get to choose what we're creating. And I didn't want a studio. Right. We have solutions to the problems of how to make just as money, much money as your parent as a yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. That's my, I win that game. Right. And so solving the problem of that game, this is one of the things the podcast we want to talk about and share. But the studio was always very low. It was never for me. I was never going to have a studio. And so when you kept bringing up a studio and I said, great. Go do it. Yeah, go do it. Because you didn't want a studio, I sort of had taken that off of my plate. Mm-hmm. Because I, I trust you. If you don't want a studio, I probably yeah. don't want one either. And you're, but the and you're used to not trusting yourself, too. Sure. And but the thing that I couldn't sort of write myself with is that at this point, we had, what, trained 50 teachers? Mm -hmm. And it <laughs> occurred, right. it occurred yeah. to me that there's you can't, at that time, for you to teach at a studio, you couldn't teach what we teach. You have, you had to, you have to teach the, you know, like the big well, yoga has a sequence. You have 100%. to teach some version of this. And there so there's no place for our graduates to teach. Right. And like that, as a class, as they could teach private lessons, but no place for them to teach, yeah, no yeah, yeah. venue for them to teach group yoga classes. For those of you that aren't as familiar as you could be with how teacher trainings work, studios are like coffee shops. They're, they're not particularly profitable. Because to get the number of students you need, you're competing with people who are offering 50 or 90 or $110 a month unlimited class passes with 100 classes a week. All right. So they're offering 100 different times a week that you can take a class. And then all you have to pay is 90 bucks a month. It's like a LA fitness membership. So with that business model, you literally can't pay your teachers anything. The studio Yoga One, which is the first yoga studio in Houston to be run as a business, which I love, right? That's, I'm a huge fan that there are places in Houston that are run as businesses, regardless of what I think about the style or the business ethos or whatever. It's like finally a place with a little bit of business acumen. Uh, when they left, they were paying $30,000 a month in rent. It's just insane. Right? $30,000 a month. You can't do that with nothing per hour plus the expenses of electricity and all your teachers, because you have to have a teacher teach 100 classes, yeah. hours. That's a huge liability every month. Well, what can we do? Well, we can solve two problems with the teacher training. I can create a farming system for new teachers, and then I can have them compete to teach for free, so it's like an apprenticeship program for the following year. And so a huge percentage of the teachers teaching at my studio can teach for free to gain that experience, to be really like, oh, I got the job air quotes. And for the privilege of all that, to the privilege to be in the farming system and to compete to get the two free teaching gigs. Tuition classes. Oh, they're, no, that you don't get paid. The people who go to the class pay. Mm. The people who go to the class pay the studio 
hundred percent. It's not a free class. Mm-hmm. You work for free for the honor and privilege of that. You pay three grand. And so think about that. I get a, every two months I get 20 people to pay me. I make 60 grand every two months falling out of the sky. And all that's doing is adding to the free labor pool that I get to choose from. And so then you graduate, you you move to Houston from Minnesota or something. You're a highly trained very successful yoga teacher in Minnesota, where the fuck are you going to work? They don't have to hire you. Mm -hmm. They have no incentive to hire you. And you're not going to work for free. So like, you're kind of fucked. This is why I say a city like Houston needs 10,000 more yoga instructors and 700 more yoga studios. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to... Be the one to do it. (laughs) I didn't want to open it. But, you know, I had all this experience teaching. When you started the teacher training, it was, you know, 2014, over 20,000 classes taught. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I can document what I know that works. And then we test whether it's transferable. And you're the perfect example that it's transferable. Mm-hmm. Like well, you, even, I mean, Lizzie, Lauren, I, I mean, mean, every, Nick, we Michelle. Have, we have more than 100 examples now of people, if you take their class, you would love their class, not because they're little Andrews, but because they're actually self-expressed human beings who it is clear that they're in the room for a reason and they know the reason and they tell you the reason. And mm-hmm. it's a reason you like too. Right. And it's normally something like, I'm committed that you feel better. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's missing right. in every class. And then there's the experience and knowledge to back it up. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't do that. And, you know, when we talk about our practice, we say we, in this, in this style, we do everything the hard way. Not the dumb way. Not the dumb way. And would you say that running our business the way we run it, where we actually pay our teachers, uh, whether it's zero persons or 127 persons. Mm-hmm. Persons. Uh, we design a business where we have really low liability generally, but it's still a nice space. Every, everything we have chosen has been sustainable, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Definitely. Yeah. And it sounds like what you were saying before is that you having a purpose, like the the why behind is the thing that's made all the difference. Oh, for sure. For sure. Would and you, then further, further. I couldn't be farther from the truth. And I couldn't be. What's further from the f- a lie. <laughs> and I was telling my friend Liz the other day, when I look at what it has taken to even get here, mm-hmm. just so many more words I could put in this. Yeah, <laughs> but to get, yes, I was like, yeah. my parents seeing them. Your parents were in the class I said this morning. Yeah, they were there three days a week minimum. They're driving down to Houston to do classes. They, my, I love it so much. My dad, when there were no classes, he's online doing yoga in his house. And, you know, they are my inspiration in many, many ways. And it's because I love my parents, obviously, but everyone has parents. Everyone has family and that I have people come to my classes that get to have a similar experience to my parents or myself mm-hmm. is just, it makes all the hard work worth it. One of the questions that, you know, maybe we can talk about in the future. We touched on the stress of money is life, mm-hmm. right? This idea, I wrote a relatively big list of the tricks that we use. Maybe mm-hmm. we can do this as a part B. Why is it hard? You can't escape. When you go home, it's so easy to talk about business at one in the morning when, when you're right, supposed to go to sleep. When you're fucking supposed to go to sleep. It's actually hard for couples with with proximity because when you're familiar with things, it's just like we said before, you sort of treat people the way you treat yourself. And the closer they are to you, the meaner you get to be to them, mm-hmm. right? Think about how mean you can be to your oh, dog. Yeah. I mean, I think to, I've had to make some commitments as far as that's concerned, like how I talk to you, how I relate to you, or I have, I've, I really pay attention to, because 
the most important thing to me isn't what we're doing, it's how we're doing it and who we're being as we're doing what we're doing. If I'm going to do something, I'm not going to have it be a burden on my family. Mm -hmm. You know, like even last night, we were getting the kids stuff together for school and I caught myself feeling burdened by it and sort of grumpy. And it occurred to me, oh man, school supplies, I used to have, I mean, they used to be so exciting. It was like I flipped a switch and I was like, I got to be excited with the kids. Stop being a poopy pants. That's right. You better put that lip in or a bird's going to poopy on it. (laughs) (laughs) Strategies like choosing, you know, it's one of the things I've been playing around with recently. Things, especially the things I'm resisting are the things I really want to be different. What if I chose it? And then playing around with me. Yeah. I choose you too. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you too, too. (laughs) Toot, toot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to honor your time. Oh. And I respect that you have a lesson, so I guess I'll let you go. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I choose you. I choose you too. There's so many more things I want to talk about. For sure. Oh my God, this is so good. Oh, okay. I can't even stand it. That's why I'm sitting down. Currently, I am folding in semi-sweet chocolate morsels into the batter, which has already white chocolate morsels. We should add some that is her microphone voice where she enunciates everything. So very nice to have all of you join me for my cooking class today. Thank you very much. Something seems different with your voice. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Everything is fine. Fine. We're all fine here. Everything is okay, okay. This is exactly something an Englishman would not say. It's okay, okay. Really ironically. Cinnamon. Would you like to add some cinnamon, do you think? Cinnamon. Sure. I don't know about cinnamon. cinnamon. You don't know about cinnamon? Well, cinnamon is, comes from a bark tree. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast was produced in Houston, Texas by the world-renowned Sarah Bellum and myself, Andrew Dukoff. Say again? You got some flip-flops or samples to put on? Could you allow a step-in dog poop? Or I'm... Yeah. Or, uh, I'm ready.